Hey guys, Tommy here. Cold season is upon us and it can wreak havoc on your immune system. I know for us, especially when we spend time in New Orleans, shaking hands, taking flights, all of a sudden, boom, a cold sneaks up on you. We get all snotty and sneezy and all of a sudden we can't hang with you due to the podcast. Nobody wants that. Trust Zycam to knock out a cold at the first sneeze of the season. Other cold medicines only mask systems, but Zycam is homeopathic and clinically proven to shorten colds when taken at the first sign. Find Zycam cold remedy products from rapid melts to elderberry medicated fruit drops at all major retailers, including Walmart. Zycam cold remedy products are safe and effective. Visit Zycam.com slash Reddick to receive a $2 coupon in your next Zycam purchase. Welcome to this week's episode of the JJ Reddick podcast. Before I get to our conversation with Joe Ingalls, it is with a, a very heavy and sad heart that I'm recording this intro. Today is, is Wednesday, uh, January 29th, um, three days after the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and seven others in a helicopter crash in Calabasas. This conversation with Joe was recorded on January 15th before we played the jazz down here in New Orleans. And, um, you know, last week we had decided to just run it this week and, um, you know, wanted to take this opportunity to just mention Kobe, uh, what a great player he was, what an evolving person he was. And uh, I know how much he meant to so many people. And it's been a very sad few days for everybody in the NBA world and a lot of people across the world. Uh, it's been a sad few days for me. Uh, everybody has their Kobe stories. I wanted to share one. Back in 2007, I was part of the USA basketball national team roster and didn't really have a chance to to make the squad or anything like that. But there was a mini camp in July leading up to the FIBA Americas qualifying tournament. And everybody flew in a day early. And when I flew in, I got there probably two o'clock in the afternoon and I immediately hit up Coach Dawkins and Coach Collins and Wojo who were helping Coach K out with the mini camp. And I said, let's go to the gym and shoot. And when I got over to the gym to do my shooting workout, uh, Coach Dawkins looked exhausted. And I said, what's, what's going on? Why, why are you so exhausted? And he said, Kobe, man, he had me up at 6 a.m. this morning and he worked out for three hours straight. Kobe's work ethic was legendary. There's stories like that from everybody. As uh, I was winding down after Sunday's game, which was an emotional day and an emotional game after we played Boston, my dad was in town and we spent a few minutes after the game sharing a glass of wine and talking about Kobe. And he reminded me at that same mini camp, after one of the practices, Kobe grabbed me and, uh, we did a, a post-practice shooting workout together. And for some reason, I had forgotten about it. But once my dad told me, the memory became so vivid. And I, I can never remember a time where I was that nervous to shoot unguarded jump shots. It was like a dream to shoot with Kobe. And there he was providing encouragement. And in some ways, I felt validated by that. And it meant a lot to me. I just wanted to say rest in peace to Kobe, Gigi, everyone else. My prayers go out to the 
Bryant family and all the families affected by this. This conversation with Joe is light and funny. It seems sort of trivial given what has happened over the last few days, but we're going to run it anyways. I hope you enjoy the conversation, but just know that I speak for Tommy as well. Our thoughts, our prayers are with everyone affected by this tragedy. Thank you. All right, welcome to this week's episode of the JJ Reddick podcast with Tommy Alter. Tommy, what's up? Hey, JJ. Hey, man. How are you? I feel like we've had some really great guests so far. Um, today's guest is probably even more so than last week's guests, wittier and probably the biggest asshole we've had on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, it's your boy, and from everything I've heard, he is he is the life of the party. We're gonna so we're gonna have Joe Ingles on here in a second. Uh, we'll get to some other stuff first. Well, you just asked me who have I been impressed with lately in the NBA. The easy answer there is the Jazz. They're oh playing yeah, unbelievable. Fifteen and three Ten in the last in eighteen. We yeah. got some of the Jazz folks in the room right now. It's the hottest, the hottest team in basketball. What do you, when you, do you watch them play? I watched, I watched, the, I watched the game, the Nets game. Yeah, you watched the game the last The most night. recent one. Yeah. The amazing thing is, the amazing thing is, and we can talk about this with Joe a little bit, but just like the plug and play element of the team, it's just a different guy stepping up every night. And he's obviously on fire right now, but it's not a one-man show. No, not at all. I, I thought last night down the stretch, uh, Donovan Mitchell was their closer. Um, Joe, obviously got them to that point with the 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 amazing shooting that he had. I I I do think that they they are to me just a great example of how important situation and fit is. And I want to ask Joe about this when we get to him and just talk about that two-man game that he has with Gobert and how that's so hard to guard. It's actually one of the hardest actions I think in the NBA to guard is their is their two-man game. And it's a thing you Personally, I've had, and obviously not with Rudy, but you've with various guys over the years have sort of perfected in your own right. Yeah, for sure. The little DHOs, dribble handoffs with with Joel. Um, we had some pin down actions with uh, with with DeAndre. My my throw and go or chase action I did with Blake. Um, still trying to figure out somebody to chase Someone with on the here. Well, <laughs> maybe Zion. Well, there's some news. So then, so we're yeah. tape recording this on. Wednesday with today's day, the 15th. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 15th in New Orleans. And uh, the team announced today that Zion will be back next week on the 22nd against San Antonio, which is dope. I'm thrilled. It's dope. I think we all are. Everybody in New Orleans is, is excited about this. Um, I know as, as, as his teammate and all of us, we're super excited to see him back out on the court. Um, we've had a great stretch here. I mean, we, we've, we're nine and four, I think in our last 13 games. Yeah. And um, literally it's like, I mean, we say this on here and it's not propaganda. It's like you literally have the hardest schedule in the NBA. We have had a difficult schedule. I, I didn't realize how hard it was playing in the central part of the United States in terms of the travel schedule. Interesting. Why? So we've been literally from, uh, we went Philly, Milwaukee, 
uh, or Milwaukee, Philly, back to the East Coast. Then we did a nine-day West Coast trip back to New Orleans. Then we did a back-to-back in California, came back to New Orleans, and then we just went on a three-game East Coast trip. Yeah. It's just a lot of changing times. And I feel like I haven't had a normal night of sleep in a long time. Is it, this is like a very weird, super insidey travel question, but like, is it team by team in terms of like, we're flying back same night versus next day and things like that? And like, does that throw it off? Generally, it, it used to be team by team. Most teams now stay over after the game if they're going to put you in past a certain time. For whatever reason, we did not stay in Boston the other night. Yeah. We went to Detroit. Have you had anything recently? Which is one of, like, if I was to do, if we were to do a power rankings of the longest drives from the airport to the hotel, Detroit would be in the top three. The top three for sure are DC, because you got to fly in and out of Dulles. Wait, why is it Dulles? Because Reagan is the greatest. Reagan's 30 seconds away. You have to. That's it's like like when teams come into New York, they fly into Newark every time. That's just how this is where you fly in. Yeah. So you fly into Dulles. Denver's awful. Dulles is because they decided to build an entire city underneath the airport just in case there's an apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) So they put it out in the middle of nowhere. And are you stewing? Do you believe in the Denver airport conspiracy theory? I don't really know it. I don't know. Um, What is it? It's just basically that they built this entire like network of tunnels. It's like an underground bunker for the for like a the government if there's ever an apocalypse. Oh, I believe it. I mean, just knowing for, <laughs> they're hearing it for 19 seconds. I believe it. The Denver, jazz people in the room they live out there. They live in the in the, in the mountain area. They they believe Denver's it. They're also, all nodding their heads. Denver's in, in like agreement. an awesome city, but there's oh, there's a lot of weird shit like that that exists there. And so this is not this is not surprising. They're like this is not off at all. No, again, if we were to do another power rankings, I don't want to like throw any states under the bus, but if we were to do a power rankings (laughs) of states where weird shit happens, like it's gotta be Colorado, (laughs) Arizona, Ohio, Florida Florida for sure. Florida's one, easy. Yeah, for sure. Florida's one. But those four are in there. Florida's one, Arizona is one A. Arizona (laughs) has some crazy shit that happens there. Phoenix, basically, like Tucson is a great city, and Phoenix is a great city too. I mean, Phoenix is incredible food. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of great things to do there, especially if you like golf or like. I'm not knocking sports. any. No, of course, I mean, it's a Florida's beautiful Florida's, state. Florida's amazing, but there's weird ass shit that happens in those places. Yeah. Did you follow Florida Man on Twitter? Um, on Twitter, I I didn't, but I I did come across a headline the other day on my Apple News feed that I think it it was a Fox News headline, and it said something along the lines of. Um, Florida man found dead, eaten by alligator, actually died of a meth overdose. <laughs> See, so there's an alligator running around with for, a, for like 24 hours, just high on meth. So that is, I would say, if we're ranking crazy Florida man stories, that's probably like a four and a half. And <laughs> right. for some reason, the guy that ran this account has stopped doing it, which is a shame. But I remember my favorite one used to, it was something along the lines of like, and all the guy did was just take real stories and just do these punchy, his own headlines of what the real stories were. But there was one where it was like a dog picks up a machine gun and shoots three people. It's like all these things where you're like, this is just clearly Can't made happen. up. Can't happen. And Didn't happen. Clearly made up. Ha- all of them happened. Man eats or cat eat, eats someone's face, like all kinds of just, and you can sort of tell I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago. Amazing place. Obviously like there's no way that like we're going to sit here and dump on the state because it's just a great place to visit. Everything like that, but like you could tell sometimes walking around, the energy is just different. It's not dangerous or anything. It's just different. There's like maybe it's the heat. I don't know what it is. It's the it's the hurricanes. The fact that it rains. 
rains all the time. Like I was in Miami and it was like every three hours it was raining and then it was great again. Right. Gun laws too. For yeah. sure. That probably has something to do with it with Florida. Yeah. So we're in New Orleans right now. Did you watch football Monday? We had a game in Detroit. Um, we were, we, when we got back to the locker room, we watched a portion of the third quarter. We kind of finished the game back at our hotel. Joe Burrow might be the coolest dude on the planet. His swag is, is impeccable. Ne- next level. <laughs> it's next level. Next level. But also, like, did you, were you following them at all this year? Yeah. I mean, I went to a game. I went to the A&M game at home. Um, we left in the third quarter because they were up by so many points. But it's, um, it was a to- it's a storybook thing. His story and Coach O, too. Right. Just like this, like he was, the thing which is really interesting about Burrow to me, and I'm curious, like, what you think I was going to ask in terms of just the difference with college sports in the South versus here. But Joe was obviously not playing at Ohio State, and this was his last chance. And so if something had gone wrong for whatever reason, he just had a, he just had another break. And he sort of said it in the Heisman speech, like, this is a guy who maybe had the best season for a college football quarterback ever. 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 Ever and he almost didn't even get the chance to do it. It's it's a storybook story. Um, I I also going back to your point about the South and college sports. Like I didn't realize just how big college football was down here. It's it's insane. It's like it's, a, it's like it's a ten religions. I didn't go to a football school, although Coach Cut turned the program around. We're yeah. we're we're a great. We have a, a very good ACC program now, at Duke, but. It's it's just a different experience down here. I he do you think that he's going to be a Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers type in the NFL? Yes, you do. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that go into it, and maybe not right yeah. away. Some of the throws he makes are just they're pro throws, you the, know. The, they're just he, and also just his his over his overall composure, his speed. I mean, he's just dusting guys. His speed and just like his mobility, and he's a big dude, and he is. I mean, there was a stat, and we should probably have in front of us, but there was some stat about just his accuracy. We were talking about the best season ever. And like, he was the most accurate quarterback in the history of college football by like eight percentage points. There wasn't even like a close second. And, you know, I don't, obviously like there's never a guarantee with any of these things, but every metric that you could possibly sort of like gauge somebody's success level points to it working out. And it's also like the Bengals... He's going to a team everyone like sort of loves to dump on them. Like the Bengals have been bad for like a year. You know, it's like he's going to the Redskins. Like he's, right. <laughs> he's going somewhere where there's the a- interesting thing to me will be the battle in the state of Ohio for who is the swaggiest quarterback between him and Baker Mayfield. Is that a battle? <laughs> That's not a debate. <laughs> you That's not a, come on. <laughs> Like no disrespect to Baker, it's like, but that's not a debate. You think Joe Burrow is swaggier than Baker I th- Mayfield? I think Joe Burrow has not been drafted by the Bengals yet, and he is one thousand percent swagger. I think Joe. I think that like not. I'm generally not the type that's going to sort of like make the transition about a college player before they play one second in the pros beforehand. But all things considered, also consider the fact that he's from Southeast Ohio, and he has that backstory to it he's coming in this is a there's there are like lebron parallels here in terms of his the hype that he's going to be entering there with whether or not he can come close to that is not fair to him because it's an impossible standard but at the same point like it's a little bit like um weirdly i was going to ask you about d rose because you guys were just in detroit but like remember when d rose went to the bulls Mm -hmm. and it was just like it's like the hometown kid and it was like this thing just worked out 
And it, I mean, it's a, it's sort of like that. And it's like, they're going to be in love with him from like, they already are. No, it's, a, it's a great just, situation for him. Wild. All right. I'm, let's, <laughs> let's, we're going to get, speaking of New Orleans, uh, we're going to, we're going to do a food related power rankings this week. We're going to do our favorite sandwiches. You can come in. Hey, hey Joe. So we're ranking, we're ranking top five sandwiches in North America. But like, spe- but but like, like specific, specific, specific sandwiches. sandwiches. I, have, I have a couple questions before we do these rankings. Just to clarify. First of all, taco, hamburger, hot dog. Are any of those sandwiches? So we, can, we classify sandwiches as a completely different thing to what you guys do. What's a sandwich to you? To like a loaf of bread that's like sliced up. Those, uh-huh. That bit of bread uh-huh. put with like whatever you want inside, that's a sandwich. That's a sandwich to us too. I'm asking if a taco is a sandwich. What's the difference between a taco or a hamburger or a hot dog and a sandwich? Well, isn't a hamburger for you? I mean, it's all got bread. I mean, it's bread and meat. I'm not counting any of them personally. <laughs> I think they're different things. I think we, we talked about I, this this summer, I, I think, on I think, the podcast. I think they, you, guys call, you guys call, so if you have a hamburger patty mm-hmm. in a bun, that's a hamburger, right? And yeah. then you call exactly the same thing, but with chicken in it, it's called a chicken sandwich, mm-hmm. which makes no sense because it's, ex- it's a chicken burger. Mm. But they're different to me. They're different things. With like yeah. a loaf of bread, like yes. you go to the shop and the, like your kids eat a little. While. If you go on a menu, every place is different. But there are times where it says sandwiches, it's salads, stupid. soups, salads, sandwiches, and it will have a hamburger in that category. So you're count, are you counting tacos too? I'm just. I'm not saying. I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. I'm just saying it's just odd that most people wouldn't consider any of these three things a sandwich. I'm going to get very specific. Here we go. My first one in my power rankings. You ever been to Roanoke, Virginia? I have not. Have you? No. Roanoke, Virginia, there's a, there's a chain of, um, I wouldn't describe them as, they're sit-down restaurants, not fast casual, but they're called McAdoo's, and they have some really great sandwiches, and there's a sandwich that they have. Is, it's called the Chicken Cordon Boo, and the reason, they, <laughs> it's, a, it's a play on Chicken Cordon Bleu. I, I get it. No, okay. <laughs> It's brilliant. I figured that out. But, uh, <laughs> the reason this sandwich means a lot to me is because in high school, <clears throat> this is uh, was probably the first time that I ever had a condiment in my life on a sandwich. <laughs> Which Americans love. <laughs> I, I would swap out the mayo for honey Americans mustard. Americans love condiments. Americans <laughs> Clean love sandwich condiment. is not a thing. No. It just does not exist. Uh, that's my first one. Chick-fil-A, original chicken sandwich. I don't think there's any argument there that that has to be in the top five. I've even had that. Of any sandwich ranking. You have, may have been to this place. Have you had the Popeyes? We had Zion. Been to Popeyes. It's good. You should have it. Never been. You've been. Have you been to Lobster Roll, aka Lunch, in uh, no. Amagansett, out no. in the Hamptons? Okay, best lobster roll I've ever had. Uh, and then two places here in New Orleans: the Pork and Peppers at Turkey and the Wolf, which I have mentioned on the pod before. And you went there today and did not get the Pork and Peppers. I have no idea why. I ignored. <laughs> I ignored it. <laughs> When he asked asked me whether I got this, and I'm like, no, it was was crestfallen. to change the subject. Yeah, it was like, like, we started again. Just devastated. And uh, at Koshan Butcher, the muffaletta. I've tried a few muffalettas in the city. That's my favorite one. Your list. You got a lot of time on your hands. This is all he (laughs) thinks about. Wait, what's your favorite sandwich in Salt Lake? So I don't even... Think about this stuff? No, at all. He literally, this is all he thinks about. You know that there's one spot on the road that we, our crew always gets coffee together in San Francisco and we stay, I don't even know what that main strip's called, the main 
there's a little coffee shop there and it has a chicken avocado, I think chicken avocado sandwich. And that's like my, I, every time we go to San Fran, I get it with my coffee because that's also my favorite coffee spot. You do a coffee list, I could probably give you some of them, but. That's an interesting thing. Do you care about like, if you're, if you're like, I'm going to San Fran, for example, in like three weeks, are you like, I got to eat at this place when I'm there? I did that with coffee. So just with coffee. Yeah. That's so it. we are like very specific with like who, Derek is kind of the leader of it and he'll yeah. find like the best spot. And there was a really good one in Brooklyn. We, two minutes from the hotel, it's my favorite by far. So, well, we've, we've also had this discussion on this show before with this kind of thing. There's also an argument sometimes you don't want to say the name because if you blow it up too much, then too all of a sudden, yeah. this, the one in San Fran is tiny as well, little hole in the wall. You wouldn't, you would walk past it easily. So, if you are going to, let's say, New York or LA or something like that, two, three weeks in advance, you don't make a reservation somewhere at a restaurant? Not once in my life have I done that. I'm going to Chicago in April and I have a reservation. <laughs> that's, that's you probably have reservation places like September. I look so far ahead in advance. I've got. I've never done I that. I had my, uh, for our West Coast trip in San Fran, we were there two nights and I had those done in October. And that was like December 20th and December 20th. But you've also played like what? 15 years. Like you know where 40. you want to go. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. No, or new places I want to try. Yeah. And, but it's not even just that. It's also you sit on Netflix and you like refresh Netflix waiting for these shows to show. Like, this is what you care about, which is cool. All right. All right. I'm running through mine very go. quickly. Number five, uh, Jackie's Grillette, Montclair, New Jersey, chicken Caesar wrap, classic sandwich. Number four, Gulfport, Mississippi, close to here. The Big Pig, it's a food truck, pulled pork sandwich. They drive around, no, no signage or anything like that. You just got to find it. Russ and Daughters Cafe, best locks and bagels in the world, Lower East Side, Russ and Daughters. Number two, all time in Los Angeles, breakfast sandwich in Silver Lake. It's like a hole in the wall type spot. Amazing. And then number one is in New York, Parisi, best Italian sandwich in the world. But what's your feeling on mayo? I'm not a mayo person. Yeah, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my first choice. I'm a ketchup man. I I hate mayo, but I love aioli. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a totally fair note. You're so right about the condiments thing though. Yes. Americans are really weird about it. I didn't realize until we hired our nanny when we had our twins and I was like, and she would like, she lives with us too. And she would come up and we would be eating like the same meal, just how we've like cooked it. And she would be like all kinds of things, especially like Mexican, Mexican. That was just like, it's, you know what they're also weird with is Parmesan cheese. At restaurants, at Italian restaurants, because like certain Italian, like classic restaurants, it's like insult to the chef to put cheese on the pasta. It's like I'm, cheese I'm putting parmesan and cheese. Me too. Me too. I'm just like, I don't 100%. care whether it says like, give me the cheese. 100%. I'm paying $28 for this pasta. Yeah. I want parmesan I want, cheese. I want to enjoy it how I want to eat it. <laughs> JJ, you go to a nice steakhouse or a nice restaurant and get a steak, do you ask for ketchup? No, never. Well, you're not a condiment guy. So I like put like salt, or they, I think they naturally put salt. A good amount it. of salt. Yeah. But, um, let's get to some hoops, man. <laughs> yeah, we were singing your praises before. We were. Ten in we a were row. just talking about your yeah. team, first of all, how, yeah. how great you guys are playing. You, you've also historically gotten off to some slow starts as a team and then turned it around. Five years straight. Five years, yeah. What, wh- why, why do you think you guys get into such bad starts? And what's, what's been the key lately? I think um, one of the things is is our system, the Quinn system, I should say, is, is very complex and detailed and it, it takes time. It, it takes time to learn what you're doing for it to become a habit and you're just kind of moving without thinking. Um, like I said, he's so detailed that like everything makes a difference and 
I think that takes time for guys to adjust and, and learn the system and then know what they're doing. We were just uh, literally today talking on the bus, like post All-Star, the last like three years, we would have to have the best record by a mile, I would think. This year, we I, I guess we did still start reasonably slow. Um, we're obviously winning 10 straight and I think 15 of 16 or something, which is, I guess, a little bit surprising because we had like 10, 9, 10 new guys this year. For the six years I've been here, this is the most talented team that, that we've had. So not leaving it all to kind of Donovan, which was has been the past, having Boyan and, and Mike early on in the year and Rudy's playing at a high level. Um, and uh, we've just got a it's, a, it's a pretty, pretty cool group to be around. JC, Jordan Clarkson has been um, a really good kind of input and, and what he does off the bench. So it's, it's, a, it's really fun right now. You mentioned Boyan. He may be one of the most underrated free agent signings from last summer, and he just has fit in. Actually, he's been better than he's ever been. He's yeah. having a career year for you guys, and he's yeah. fit right in and fits the system. It's like a, it's a perfect match. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we played, we only play Indiana twice being in the West, and they beat us by 30 both times last year. And it was like, man, we were looking back like, what did they do? And it was, it was him. It's probably my fault because I, <laughs> I was guarding him, but. He did, I think, yeah, I think I definitely think he's underrated. I still think he's underrated now. I don't think people really recognize what he, I think he's averaging like 21 a game at, uh, pretty efficiently. And apart from when he had 35 0, 0, 0, 0 the other night, which was hilarious. That was against us, wasn't it? It was against you, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. 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 Like you can't like fall into, like even you can fall into a rebound like, <laughs> or an assist or something like <laughs> Thanks, that. Thanks, Joe. Like, just anything. Yeah. Um, just so you know, I'm averaging a career high in rebounds. My rebound rate <laughs> 2. is 2. career high. <laughs> Uh, it's higher. It's two point nine. That's that's it's almost three. That's, that's, that's high level. Um, but he just he he obviously scores in so many different ways. Yeah. He can shoot. He can play pick and roll. He can post up, which is something that I didn't really realize. He's really good in the post. So yeah, he's just he he's fit in perfectly. Uh, everyone that we got has it's been kind of seamless, really. When you have such a big turnaround, Zach Lowe, he wrote something last year about him. I can't remember what the article was about because I don't think it was necessarily just about him, but. He basically said he has no holes in his game. He can do everything pretty damn well, even guard. Yeah, he's definitely – like we've had teams this year, like they go out and you play pick and roll guard to guard to try and get him on the ball, and he's like, cool. Like, yeah. coach well, They put him on LeBron a lot when he was in Indy. Yeah, yeah in the playoffs. Yeah. playoffs. They did, and he did a good job. He's, uh, he's definitely underrated for that. Uh, I think, like you said, I think his total game and him in general is underrated. Um, I think when we first signed him and – what we signed him to, people might have been surprised. Uh, I don't think, obviously, the Jazz and the research they've done, I don't think they were surprised. I think they're he, he's doing what they expected him to do. I read a crazy stat about you today that since December 1st, there are 111 players who've attempted 75 threes. Or 110 of the players are shooting below 46%. You're shooting 52.8%. So what is happening? It's pretty good. And are you jealous? He's definitely jealous. Look at him. He's so mad at me. He's about to um, walk out. <laughs> well, I had to make something because the first six weeks of the year, I was 0 for about 0 for 100 or whatever. So um, I looked at your splits this morning from like when you were coming off the bench to when you were starting. We have, we've had the discussions about we've this. We've had this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I've mentioned that a few in a few different interviews. I don't know if you'd seen that, but your name comes up. But they're like, so how are you adjusting? I'm like, oh, I've been talking to JJ a little bit about it because at the start you were obviously also yeah. coming off. And the last bench. year at the start. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, I did it last year too. Um, it was different, but um, I didn't know that. No, I, I, I think – 
I think for me, I'm playing extremely confident right now. Probably maybe the confident, most confidence I've played with. And I wouldn't, it's not just because I've been making shots. I think just being here for six years in the system, knowing the system, great teammates, obviously, like I said, a really good team around me. It makes it so easy when you've got Boyan and Donovan in the corners and you're playing pick and roll with Rudy on the rim. It's like, well, you, I'm going to lay it up, get a dunk, or they're going to make a three. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's fun to play and, and obviously winning helps a lot of that. Well, you mentioned you guys have 10 new guys, but the whole West is kind of different. So what's been the challenge in terms of just adjusting to the fact that like you're in LA, no matter who you're playing in LA, it's a totally different beast than it was last year, for example. Yeah, there's a lot of different, even like JJ's team with New Orleans, there's a lot of different teams. The The West is, I mean, I feel like every year it gets better and better and it kind of is what it is. I think we don't try, We, I mean, we don't overthink it or over like, oh no, we're playing like pre kind of thinking who we're playing you just we've we've done it i think which is why we've played so well recently is like as cliche as it sounds like you just prepare for each game and you go in there and you've got a, obviously a different game plan for each one last night is going to be completely different to tomorrow and um yeah we've just done a really good job of, of focusing on that one game at a time and as boring as that answer is i think it's been really good for our team we were talking earlier about how hard it is to guard you and rudy in a pick and roll one of the things I think that you both are really smart and I've guarded enough of these pick and rolls with you and him to know two things happen. <clears throat> Number one, you manipulate the shit out of him to get to where you want to go based on how the defender guards you. And number two, he's just an incredible screener. Some would call him a dirty screener, an illegal screener. Some would. I've never, so, some I've never played would, against him. But you've so. never played against never him, played so you wouldn't against him. know. No. Um, no, he's a, he's a great screener. He is a great screener. Yeah. I think he, five, six years ago when I first got there, was uh, he was like this defensive guy. It was just like block shots and rebound. And we had Fave um, yeah. back then and, and Ennis Cantor. So he was the third kind of big. And he just got better and better. He's, that defense was always there. And for him to – like he, he's up there like working, like changing the angles. Like he might change it the littlest bit, but it makes such a big difference for me um, or the defender who's guarding you and – We've spent a lot of time together this year because I knew everyone this year going into it was going to send me right after the playoffs last year and I stunk it up heavily and spending time with him, like just turn it a little bit more here and there and, and like you said, just kind of manipulating the situation. Um, I've always tried to let my defender try and like, if you want to send me right, I'm going to let you send me right. If you want to send me left, whatever it is. And then like you said, having Rudy come up and crack him and then having a seven-foot athletic guy on the rim it makes it really easy because it's it's a layup for me or a lob or if you want to X out like a lot of teams do, I'm throwing it to Boyan in the corner. How much do you face coverage where the big is up with the screener versus how a lot of teams are playing now where the big is back? Because I, I I think with specifically with guarding you two guys, when the big is back, because Rudy's such a good screener and because you're a bigger player and you get downhill, especially going left, it's almost impossible to guard if the big is back. So what adjustments are you seeing game to game with that pick and roll coverage? I think it, it, obviously it depends on the team we're playing. Obviously last night in Brooklyn, DJ and yeah. and all the way back. And it's like, this is heaven because Rudy's going to crack the guy. It's two and one from the get-go. It's like, well, I'm either going to lay it up or Rudy's going to get a dunk. So. I think it depends on like Andre Drummond's always up and he's got that little left hand that he always tries to flick the ball out. We've we've seen a lot of different me and Donovan have been obviously different player. We've been blitzed before. 
we've had obviously like last night where they're all the way back. We've had guys that start up but drop back as we play the pick and roll, switch. You guys were there with the Clippers. DeAndre used to switch with me and I would shoot threes in DeAndre's face and it was nothing better than I liked doing. <laughs> the fight, my first two threes last night, he, he yelled hell no from the, from the bench yeah. and I stared at him all the way down. It was the best thing I've ever felt. But, um, I, I think it, just, it, it goes from game to game and I think, I think even teams are adjusting mid-game too now. It's, if me and Rudy are getting going or Donovan, they start blitzing. Donovan sees a lot of blitzes, which for us is great too because he's got two on the ball and we've got three shooters on the, on the outside now. Are you guys talking shit to each other when you play? Nah. Nah. You did elbow me in the face or something a couple of games. The, the last game or did last I? year, yeah, you shouldered me or elbowed me in the face or something. And I what got about like, bad, but you what like, about like 2017? What about like, the, what about when it's like this, really? This is the thing. Like, so Joe basically face guarded me 94 feet. For the whole series. <laughs> For the whole series. And I, I did it the next year with Paul George. Exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. It was great. I don't and think we've ever talked shit. Though, but I, we've yeah. never talked shit to each other. No. But we, we, we for 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 those that don't know, like Joe was in camp with us yeah. in 2015 in Las Vegas. We had training camp. I still remember you took me out for lunch one day by the pool, and I was I like, "We finished eating, eating," and I was like, "Man, I hope he pays because I've got no money." <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. It's so funny because I remember that lunch vividly. Was that the yeah. first? Was that the first time you met? Yeah, we yeah. well we met at, at that at camp, camp, and we, yeah. uh, me, him, Blake, kind of all hit it off. DJ obviously hits it off yeah. with everybody. But that's probably we, I actually still speak to. Like I speak to you, I speak to Chris still a little bit. Yeah. I speak to DJ. I've spoke to Jamal a couple of times too. Like that core group that you guys had for that was like for me coming from, I'd come from Europe. So it was like, I'm walking into a camp and it was basically out of me and this Jared Cunningham point guard, two man, whatever he was. And I'm walking into camp and this is my first experience in the NBA. And I'm like, like I've watched all these guys for years and yeah. Not as much JJ, but like the, <laughs> but like seeing Chris is like I'm 